Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, the Habs dominate the Devils in New Jersey. Five different goal scorers, a big game from Samuel Montembeau. I'll have your recap and more inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 790 of Lockdown Canadians. This episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Remember to make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. I am your host. I am Scott Matla. I am flying solo today before I abandon my co-host to go to Jamaica for a week, assuming the weather Knock on wood. All of that lets me out of the city of Buffalo here. And folks, when I say the vibes are good tonight, the vibes are very good tonight here. And thank you so much for listening wherever you're getting your podcast or viewers watching my current reaction here on YouTube. Thank you for subscribing there as well. Let's jump right into things. Montreal Canadiens beat the New Jersey Devils 5-2 in what was an entertaining game. It was a lopsided game that the Devils probably should have blown the Canadians out in. They had 40 shots on goal. The Canadians had 18. The Canadians won 39% of faceoffs, went 0 for 2 on the power play, had six penalties, had 28 blocked shots. In case you're wondering where the uh, difference in this game came from, it was that the Canadians did everything they could to make Samuel Montembeau's night as easy as possible. And they still got pounded with shots, but Samuel Montembeau went stone cold, Steve Austin, double birds to the New Jersey devils and just stole this game for them. The good news is everyone's talking the tank and this and that it's one game. We're going to analyze what's in front of us right now. Here are the facts. Five different goal scorers tonight. Justin Barron, Jonathan Kovacevic, Nick Suzuki, Rem Pitlick, and Mike Matheson. Two-point night for Nick Suzuki, a goal and an assist. Goal and assist for Mike Matheson. Uh, two assists for Christian Dvorak in this game, who I thought quietly played well. But the Devils are, as Laura and I talked about in the other show, a very deep team who has the ability to kind of overwhelm when they need to. And the Canadians played this game shorthanded again, and we will get into that later on in the show here. I got to say, in to stop a two-game skid where they didn't necessarily play badly, but got outplayed by skilled opponents, this is like if they flipped the script in that Toronto game or that Carolina game where they were right there until they weren't. In this game, they stayed right there. They took advantage of the Devils' defensive miscues or lulls in play there to beat Vitek Vanacek four times once into the empty net. And I think nothing highlights this better. Justin Barron's goal was great. Nick Suzuki with an absolutely filthy backhand pass there. Rafael Harvey Pinar with a great pass to get all that started. And he just continues to produce points. We, this is an RHP stand podcast at this point opens the scoring 
Jonathan Kovacevic's goal, I think, is would have been the nicest goal scored by the Canadians tonight. And we will get to what is the nicest goal scored by the Canadians tonight. Kovacevic's goal was all Jesse Olinen getting a leading pass from Mike Matheson, getting deep into the offensive zone and not behind the net in an area where he can still operate in fine passing lanes. And he pivots, absolutely shatters someone's ankles, feeds a streaking Kovacevic in the slot. Kovacevic beats uh, Vitek Vanacek cleanly, which love to see that. He's not an offensive defenseman. That's not his game. His game is being that solid, steady defensive presence next to the more offensively inclined to Jordan Harris or Arbor Jack in situations. And seeing him score that goal was great. And if you haven't seen Martin St. Louis trying his best to keep it together on the bench, I clipped it. It's up on my Twitter account. Uh, I don't know why he's laughing in this situation. I'm not really inclined to figure out, figure that out. That's not my job. I thought it was funny because he's smirking. Everyone's smiling and having a good time. Vibes are good. And you know, the vibes are good when the fourth Canadians goal, Christian Dvorak brings the puck in. Gets it over to Evgeny Dodonov. Dodonov back to Dvorak. Dvorak back up to Dodonov, who is on the left side of the goal, across to Rem Pitlick, who buries it top shelf. At a certain point, if you were the New Jersey Devils, this game has not gone your way, and you know it's definitely not going your way when you get effing posterized by Evgeny Dodonov and Rem Pitlick. Rem Pitlick, a very useful player. Evgeny Dodonov, useful in the right situation. If you're getting put on a poster by them in this game, you should probably pack it in for the night. Got one back. The Devils get one back on the power play, and they're pushing, and they're pushing, and they're pushing. They pull Vanacek with you know 16 minutes played in the period here. The, Christian Dvorak wins a draw clean, and Matheson just hurls it the length of the ice to seal the game here. It's everything you want to see in a bounce-back game here. And I look at some of these performances. Nick Suzuki played 19-27. Dvorak played 18-23. Rafael Harvey-Pinard played 19 minutes. Uh, Josh Anderson played 18 uh, minutes there. Mike Matheson played 27 minutes in this game. He played almost 10 minutes in the first period alone. Stat line, one goal, one assist, plus three. One shot on goal, two blocks, two giveaways, one takeaway. 53 seconds on the power play, 321 shorthanded. David Savard played 23-44. Samuel Montembeau posted 950 save percentage. Honestly, what more could you ask for in a game? You had your trade pieces playing well. Dodonov, Christian Dvorak played well. You know, Mike Hoffman got an assist on Nick Suzuki's goal here. Like, everything you could ask for in a game that they probably shouldn't have won, but they did, happened. Young guys got points. Justin Barron, Nick Suzuki, Rafael Harvey-Pounder, Jesse Yalona, Jonathan Kovacevic. All the young pieces got points. Even their veterans who got points got in a way that makes sense. It was really good to see a standout performance from Mike Matheson here. I know we've all kind of been waiting for him to break out of that shell a little bit, and he's doing so now. I think he's found his stride, and I know he's going to have bad games in here. That's a fact of life. But Mike Matheson playing as well as he did in this game, he was a leader on that ice. David Savard leads in a different way. David Savard is there to give up his body. He cleaned out Miles Wood after Miles Wood smacked Samuel Montembeau's stick out of his hands again. Rightly or wrongly, 
Uh, I'm glad to see someone stick up for the goaltender here, and that's an important factor. Matheson led with his play. The Canadians' defense is so different when he plays, and I am really glad to see that because apparently Jeff Petrie's on the market. That maybe touch on in the trade deadline segment later on in the show here, but we're going to shift gears a bit here. We're going to talk about the bad news coming out of this game, and that's Yolarmia. That's injuries, but it's not all bad, and I'll explain why coming up next. But first, as I said earlier, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, and the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download the FanDuel app, America's number one sportsbook. And if you are a new customer, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 That's bonus bets back if your fresh bet doesn't win. All you got to do is just download the Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Bet on the money line, point scores, threes drained. And if you're feeling froggy, put them all together in the same game parlay and increase your winnings. And guess what? If you don't win, you can get your money back with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. And remember, make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA, and us here at Locked On. And as always, please make sure you are betting and gambling responsibly. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. I am solo hosting tonight. I am Scott Matla. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott Matla if you're watching on YouTube. There is a nice little graphic that I've managed to stick between my hands here once I've learned what direction to face on this camera here. Uh, for those who are listening on the podcast, sorry, you should subscribe on YouTube, though. That's where the real fun is. We got to get down to the bad side of this game here. And I guess the bad side is, you know, they they lost or they won, I should say, but they lost ground in the tank standings. We're not going to do that because this is a positive episode here. We are happy about the way things went tonight. Yol Armia played about two minutes in this game. He's left. According to Eric Engels, he just wasn't feeling well, would not return. We know Kirby Doc is still out with whatever illness is bothering him. And if it's hit Yol Armia, well, quite frankly, that's unfortunate because it would have been nice for him to potentially get into the win column here as well. However, there is some good news here. And as many of you know, uh, the Lavelle Rocket are my main coverage outside of the Montreal Canadiens at what I do at Habs Eyes on the Prize there is a replacement they can bring up here. And I know a lot of people are going to ask to see Anthony Richard again, which fair Anthony Richard has played really well here. They're kind of lacking other forward options here. You have Nate Schnarr, you have pieces, you have Lucas Condotta. However, the name that I'm looking at here who has earned it, and this is a season about earning and getting to see what you have in your prospects is Former Blainville Boiry and Armada forward and Royun Narunda Husky teammate, I believe, of Raphael Harvey Pinard, Joel Teasdale. We're going to replace Yol with Joel, different accents and such. And I think this is not only the right move in terms of giving prospects a chance that they've earned, it also makes sense. In 37 games this year, uh, Joel Teasdale has 18 goals, 9 assists, 27 points, 21 penalty minutes, minus 1. Started the season really rough. He was coming off another unfortunate injury. And the year before that, he was coming off an injury. He lost his entire, what would have been his first year of professional hockey due to a serious knee injury. 
And I wrote about this for Eyes on the Prize, and I swear I didn't know that this was going to be a thing that happened in this game. If I did, teams, you should pay me to predict who's going to get injured for you. I look at this, and Joel Teasdale is playing the best hockey of his career right now. He is a force on every shift. He's forechecking hard, creating turnovers, and scoring goals or producing points off of them. It reminds me a lot of what got Michael Pozzetta into the NHL lineup last year. Yeah, the team was terrible and whatnot, but his spirit is what got him into the lineup. And Joel Teasdale is playing in such a way that I think he fits on that fourth line. He has chemistry with Belzeal. He's played with Michael Pozzetta before. He's played with Jesse Ullinen before. He's played with Raphael Harvey Pinard. He's played with Corey Schooneman. He's played with Justin Barron. He's played with these guys. There was not as much of a learning curve here. Yes, the NHL speed is a little bit different. He's not the fastest guy on the ice, but he's stocky. He stands six foot, barely, 220 pounds. He's a bull. He's not, he's not Josh Anderson in terms of physicality, but he makes his presence felt around the net in a way that leads itself to creating points here. And I look at this and I go, this is a guy that you should give a chance to. We talk a lot about how rebuilding is important to analyze your prospects and take stock of your cupboard. We've said that a lot on this show, and I stand by that. It is very important that they have these, they, they have their ducks in a row, so to speak, here. Giving Joel Teasdale that chance, even if it's for a game, well, Yol Armia recovers. For all we know, Chris or uh, Christian Doc, Chris, not even Christian Dvorak, Kirby Doc maybe back for the next game, but he wasn't traveling with the team. And Sean Monahan is trapped somewhere in the seventh dimension. We don't know quite where he is at this point or where he is in terms of his recovery and whatnot. Why not give him a shot? He's second on the team in goal scoring behind Anthony Richard. And I would understand if they call up Anthony Richard and give him that shot. Sure. We know that he can play at the NHL level. We've seen that speed. But this is about rewarding guys who are playing well. And this is not to say that Anthony Richard is not playing well. He's playing fantastically. There's That's not to take anything away from the Rockets leading score and one of the best players in the AHL. This is to give an opportunity to a prospect who had several months, several years of his career hampered by injuries and taken away from him. But it still found a way to produce, not at a point per game clip, but just below that. 18 points in 26 games. 28 and 44 and now 27 and 37. He's not meant to be a big point producing guy, but he fits the mold of what a modern fourth liner should do in this NHL. They can four check hard chip in the odd goal. And I think on a personal level, it's going to mean a lot for Joel Teasdale. He's from, you know, Quebec. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the city name because I don't want to offend anybody uh, in our listenership here. He's earned that opportunity, just like Rafael Harvey Pinard earned that opportunity. Like Alex Belzeal has earned and has seized that opportunity. It's homegrown talent that they've developed this guy in the AHL. He was signed as an undrafted free agent. They did not draft him like Harvey Pinard or Xavier Simino or a Jake Evans or a Michael Pizzetta who's come up. This was an undrafted free agent that they signed. And for good reason. Memorial Cup. It was a huge performer for the Huskies and for the Armada. Made sense. And then obviously injuries took a toll on what was his development. And the fact that he's gotten himself back on track in this way, he's pacing for a career year in the the AHL this year. And that's what you want to see. It's about to get really crowded there. 
and he's trying to make himself stand out. If I'm Kent Hughes and I'm looking at Army, I tell him, go home, rest. We're going to call someone up and make that Joel Teasdale because I believe coming up, the Habs schedule doesn't get much easier, unfortunately. Well, which we knew that. We talked about that last week. They play the Flyers on Friday night, and then they play the Senators at home on Saturday. Two teams outside the playoff race with an opportunity there to give the to give Joel Teasdale a shot. You don't have to go all out. You don't have to play in both games, and maybe you have guys back for Saturday. Maybe you have them back for Friday, and you rest them one night or the other. You figure it out. You just got to figure out a way to reward the strong efforts and play of these players here. And I'd really like to see Joel Teasdale into this lineup here. I think he's earned that opportunity. And I think it would mean a lot to him as someone who grew up probably watching, you know, the last parts of the heyday of the Canadians. And if I'm not going to look at his age, cause I don't want to feel old myself. Uh, if you didn't, if it's not Joel Teasdale, I assume it's going to be Anthony Richard. I would be shocked if it's anyone besides either one of those guys. There might be a trade. Who knows? This podcast could be out of date by the time you listen to it. I hope it is not because I hope you are here for all the up-to-date stuff on the Montreal Canadiens. And guess what? The Canadians were almost involved in the Ryan O'Reilly trade. How? Well, I will explain that to you coming up next. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. It is just I, Scott Matlin, tonight. The active stick, Laura Saba, has the night off because... That is what good co-hosts do and whatnot. We're going to shift it into the trade deadline here again. There was some interesting news that came out during the intermission of the Canadians game against the Devils. Arpin Basu was talking to Dan Robertson, who also did a phenomenal job calling this Habs game again. It's a treat. Miss him now that he's in Winnipeg with John Liu, but an absolutely phenomenal call of the game. But to the main point, right now, there were a couple of big facts. There was something more than a broken foot hampering Sean Monahan, according to Arpin Basu, which I think anyone who has paid attention to this entire situation would go, yeah, that, that tracks, that makes sense. But the biggest part of this was the Canadians wanted to fit into the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Not in acquiring Ryan O'Reilly, because quite frankly, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. However, they wanted to acquire Ryan O'Reilly as a facilitator. They wanted to be that third team to make the money work and get a pick or a prospect back for taking on however many thousands of dollars of this cap hit like the Minnesota Wild did. And I believe Minnesota took on like $75,000. The only reason this didn't happen for the Canadians, they don't have the cap space to make it work because they have so many people on the injured list right now that are affecting their cap space right now. And that's a problem, but it also presents what I look at as opening up the trade deadline. Now, if the Canadians aren't going to be dealing their guys as much, if they can ship some of them out, even at lower prices, but act as a facilitator in other trades and acquire bits and pieces from there, I can't help but think that could also lead to a similar total haul in terms of value. You're probably not going to get first and seconds for a good number of these players, even as well as they are playing right now. I don't see that happening, 
but acting as a facilitator and getting AHL prospects to help buoy, buoy the rocket because Harvey Pinard, Yelonen, potentially uh, Alex Belzeal are not going back down to the rocket outside of a paper transaction, I believe. That's just not a thing that I think is going to happen because they're playing so well in the lineup right now. My question is now to, are the Canadians going to operate using some third teams as well? Like, could the Canadians be a facilitator in a trade that sends Patrick Kane somewhere or Timo Meyer somewhere, and they acquire bits and pieces to facilitate that cap hit here for this trade deadline? And I don't see why not. Obviously, the cap is going to be a lot tighter than we thought. We still don't know what's going on with the whole Bally Sports thing, which will affect escrow and everything that goes along with that. There's a lot of questions, but I think the Canadians, and especially Ken Hughes, who has all this background knowledge as the player agent, is looking at this situation and going, if I can't trade everyone I want to, I can help other people make trades and get what I want and get some picks and whatnot back in that, and then become that, hey, Kent Hughes helped us out. Let's see if we can't help him out there because the whole GM bubble is, quite frankly, an old boys club. It's We're trying to make it you know, not an old boys club, but it is in that regard. And one of the other thoughts is, and I believe this was Habs Links on Twitter who was talking about this, with Ryan O'Reilly off the market, with Sean Monaghan injured, and some of these bigger names maybe not moving like we originally thought. Jonathan Taze is not going anywhere due to his battle with long COVID, which is scary. What about a name like Christian Dvorak? There's a little term left on that contract, but are the Canadians willing to retain some salary and make this trade work for somebody else or facilitate through a third party and make this happen and give up like a fifth or something and help this happen? It feels like Kent Hughes is going to come up with something creative going into this trade deadline here. And he's going to have to because, unfortunately, the cap space isn't there. Everybody's injured, and which leads to its entire other discussion is what in the hell is going on with all these injuries? Armia was sick tonight. That happens. You cannot control that. You cannot control illness. You cannot control biology. So... When I look at things here, I'm wondering how creative Kent Hughes can get here. The AHL prospects pool is getting thin here because the bigger names are called up and are sticking right now. And that next wave of CHL and guys from Europe are not quite available yet. We assume Emil Heineman, who signed his entry-level deal, will be here as soon as Lexand is done with their SHL playoff run. Adam Engstrom might make the trip over whenever Rogel is done, whenever that may be. I'm not a big, deep European prospects expert or European teams expert. We will have Patrick Bexell on frequently as we lead up into the draft and as these seasons come to a close here. But sure, they might come over. Frolunda's out of the SHL playoffs, I believe. You have to wonder, is Frederick Disho going to come in and uh, give them a three-goalie tandem in Montreal, in Laval? On a, I think he has to be here by March 1st is the deadline. I will clarify that with Patrick. I feel like this is going to be an untraditional trade line, trade deadline for Kent Hughes. He's going to have to get creative because the cap situation is not good, do no fault of his own. 
and there's just a lot of juggling up in the air right now. You've got LTIR guys. You've got guys who are on IR, might be returning soon. You have guys that you don't know. We don't know what's up with Joel Edmonton. We don't know what's up with Sean Monahan. Are we going to pass through the deadline and then they just go done for the year, shut down? I'm hoping we have answers on that. It The not knowing makes me think that something is brewing, though, and I don't quite know what it is. It could be anybody, you know, save for a select number of names on this team that I would go, ah, oh, okay, that makes sense. When Armia left this game and there wasn't any definitive injury or anything else, we truly thought that, hey, maybe he's getting traded mid-game. Maybe they might camillaried him. That wasn't the case, but it's it's a creative approach to it. And that's kind of what we're looking for here. That is going to wrap up today's episode here at Locked On Canadians. As always, thank you for following. If you are watching on YouTube, thank you for following on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Thank you for subscribing wherever you get your daily podcasts. Thank you for listening, tuning in, interacting. Laura will be here recording Wednesday night special prospects episode and she will have the mailbag on thursday night as i prepare to head out of the country this is the last episode i will be on barring any insane trades in the next two days uh so i will be on vacation for a week i will see you all when i get back i promise i will be here for the trade deadline and all the fun and insanity that entails everyone thank you so much for tuning in and listening watching whatever we will see you all next time